Ahoy all, it's Ben here, just hopping in before the podcast gets started. I just wanted to give a little explanation around what this podcast is about. So it's podcast number one for Tells, which is very exciting. It's not polished, it's not perfect, but it's just me and Casey having a chat uh, and breaking our podcast virginity ultimately. We discuss tells, we discuss the strategy around tells, and we also talk around where we think this concept can go in the next 6, 12, 18, 24, however long months that this business will be operating for. So enjoy, and without further ado, let's get into the podcast. Awesome, we're live. Um, it's our first ever podcast here at Tells, and today I've got one of our other founders uh, over Google Hangouts, Casey Kavanagh. How are you, mate? Good, mate. It's good to be here. Kick us off. Number one podcast. I know. It's been a long time coming, hasn't it? Yeah, it feels like that anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, when we look at how long this business has been operating, it's been less than three months, so... Um, that was I'd say about two months ago now I think we set monthly goals and they were for the middle of June so it was yeah, a month it, ago it was we doing things before the planning day yeah yeah I don't think we've got a kick off date it's not like my girlfriend I don't need an anniversary date don't get in trouble yeah, if I no, forget no, it no put a label on it yeah 100% um, all right, mate. Are you able to kick off just tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I previously worked in advertising, um, starting my own sort of entrepreneurial. I kind of hate that word because it's a bit of a wank word these days. Um, yeah, entrepreneurial ventures, my own business, uh, taking advantage of this, this dropshipping storm as well, um, which is basically just a new. New, new name for private labeling mm. um, but yeah you and I go way back I love reminiscing about some of the stories we've had you know, footy and uni when I nearly died <laughs> the other day I watched some videos around at uni um, yeah so I've been blessed with um, coming on Ben's recognized uh, the skills that I've I've had don't know where he's seen them but he, he thinks I have some sort of skills so he's brought me on board um and we'll go from there, I guess. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah, so just to, I suppose, summarize myself as well or introduce myself, Ben Carmichael, um, my skill set is more so around customer experience. So in the commercial world, that that's my expertise, um, driving customer experience, measuring customer experience, and, and just trying to add value to our customers uh, throughout processes and procedures. But equally, um, my mind races every single day on ideas around how I can actually get out of the commercial world permanently and, and head into entrepreneurship, um, as wanky as it sounds. But yeah, we'll, we'll talk through, I suppose, the idea and where it stemmed from a little bit um, in a second. But yeah, that that's where I'm at. I'm not working at the moment, but I'm just about to hop into um, another day job purely uh, um, as a means to an end. Is that the right term? More so, I, w- I want to <laughs> get that income to um, 
to continually drive this business and um, hopefully make it something I can work in permanently. So. Yeah. What do they say? Make your side hustle your, your only hustle? What's 100%. That saying? Yeah. What's that, that saying? Are you going to make your side hustle your, your full-time job? I think it's pretty much that, yeah. You need to make your side hustle your full-time job. But I've also read um, that you shouldn't quit your full-time job until you your side hustle is generating some revenue uh, or enough revenue yeah. <laughs> to be sustainable, uh, yeah. w- which we're not at the moment. We're nearly there. No. But when's the right time for anything though, right? 100%. You know, like when's the right time to have a kid? When's the right time to start your own business? There is none. Yeah. You, know, you can be in a relationship for 10 years with someone mm. and never find the right time. And okay. then suddenly <laughs> spring, spot, spring out a kid Yeah. Uh, and then it's the right time. Yeah, it's the best thing that happened to you. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I I have that mindset as well. Um, as you'd know, Casey, hopping back into the corporate life was actually a very big decision, and I am an art about it for quite a while. Um, I probably just couldn't justify yet uh, the money that I was losing not working with the business and the way that it's at, and. I felt that hopping into the corporate world again would actually make me more efficient with my time um, and would also allow us to stimulate uh, TELS, the essential life skills, with funding that we're getting from our, our day jobs. Um, I think it'd just allow us to make processes more efficient but equally outsource stuff that I'd maybe do, edit videos, um, write some content, uh, whatever it may be, to others via the means of um, yeah, income that, that I earn. So. It was, um, sorry, go, mate. Yeah, no, go. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a, a lack of hindsight when we found out how long it actually takes to write one of these pieces. Yeah. You experienced that firsthand with the amount of depth that we went into it and... Talk about how much time you actually put into this thing. Yeah, so let, let's take a step back. Um, I just kind of realize I, I'm trusting that everyone listening to this podcast knows what the podcast is about, but we're talking yeah. around the essential life skills, um, tells for short, which is the business that we've that we've recently created. Um, we'll, we'll go into the idea in a second, but to answer Casey's question, um, the ebook that we created, which was the bottom of our funnel, uh, the, the product that we were looking to sell, or one of many products that we're looking to sell, uh, related to the stock market, how to invest into the stock market, and a basic guide on, on what it really is. Um, that ebook ended up being around, I think, 50 to 60 pages long, uh, and took us pretty much as soon as we started the business so that's about three months ago now took us the whole time um, to write compile edit and then turn it into something that was aesthetically pleasing for users Um, yeah took pretty much two to three months of of effort I'd call it over 34 working days so if you're classifying a working day is eight hours Um, there was a lot of it was free to produce but there was a lot of man hours included in producing that. So um, it was a learning from us, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. 
if we can somehow be more efficient with how we get content produced or we pay others to produce it for us and we fine-tune things according to our brand, um, I think it would make us be more scalable and efficient moving forward. Yeah. Before before we get into what tells is and, and go down the rabbit hole of what we think this can become, I want to set some ground rules um, and Case is going to set these ground rules. Are we allowed to swear or are we not allowed to swear? That's uh, an age-old question. <laughs> I'm all for swearing. Hey? I'm all for it. They reckon you're more yeah, honest when you do. Coming on, like, what's the extent of yeah. what we can say? Let's uh, keep it M-rated. And it's like, yeah, we're not getting monetized at the moment. You know, you always hear these big podcasts, oh, don't say this, we'll, yeah. we'll be monetized. Like, that's well out of our remit at the moment. So I think swearing is um, is all good, I, th- I think, for now. So fuck it. <laughs> Sweet, man. <laughs> and, and that being said, our slogan with tells is shit that school didn't teach you. So I feel it's only appropriate to just be as authentic as we can be. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's get into TELS, uh, the essential life skills, and, and I'd pretty much what it is. Um, I might kick off and explain where the idea come from, but I'd really like to get uh, your views, Case, as to um, how you define it, what segment of the market it, it sits in, what industry and what segment, and ultimately what solution um, it's providing to a customer problem. So... Before I hand it over to you, um, where this idea originated from, it's been quite a pain point of mine for a long time, um, and probably because I'm one of those people that don't really have a lot of life skills, um, and I didn't really have anywhere to look to see, like, how do you change a car tyre? Like, um, what do you do when you start earning good money? And, and where do you put that money? Um, even like stuff like how to make a coffee. Like if someone's like, yeah, I want a long black, what's that different to a bloody <laughs> um, a white coffee, you know what I mean? All, all of these little lingos terms and like just stuff that you get out of your protected world um, at school and you come into the normal society and it's like there's a different slang, lingo and also a whole lot of things that you need to do that you haven't learned in school. Um, that's where the pain point come from and um, Couchy, another one of our founders um, who can't be on the podcast today kind of, um, I floated the idea with him and he, he was very pressing with um, getting it started he, he felt it was a really good idea um, and just pestered me for quite a while until um, we said alright, sweet uh, got my girlfriend Renee involved as well and brought Casey onto it a couple of weeks later um, and said, Let, let's actually do something about this. So that's where the idea originated from. I'll, I'll hand it over to, to you, Casey, to explain oh, what you think TELS is. Yeah, so one of the big things that came out of our planning day was that um, I like the, the phrase bridging the gap between school and the real world. Mm. I've been out of school. Well, we've both been out of school for a long time now, so we're not, not exactly... <laughs> fully across what they've been doing these days, but we've got a rough idea. Um, and we're, we're talking about the things that they almost, I don't want to say lack because it's almost like derogatory, but I guess they are, are lacking in certain spheres, right? Yeah. Uh, whether it be the wellness, for instance, or the investing. Mm. 
I like to look at it purely as that, that entity that's bridging the gap between school and the real world. Um, where we sit in, in an industry, you asked, um, mm. that we're sort of like a mix between, you know, educational, influencer, finance. We, we touch on a lot of, lot of subjects some people might see in our socials. Yeah. And that's, that's a question um, I get asked a lot. You know, what are you going to be focusing on? It's, well, what, what school doesn't teach you? You, you just you yeah. said a couple of examples you know, how to make a coffee. Yeah, <laughs> go to an office, being an intern when I was, and people were asking for, you know, double macchiatos, you know, no foam, rah, rah, rah. Yeah. What the heck is that? Um, but, so where the content stops, who knows? We can talk about anything and everything. Yeah. Um, because school doesn't really co- cover a lot of those aspects. Yeah, um, I think we talked about this as well and we want to be very customer-led in terms of what content we produce. So there's a number of times that we've thrown out to um, our customers, um, albeit a small customer base right now, around what they want to learn. Um, communication is a massive one that comes through. So uh, how to present yourself in a, like a corporate environment, um, how to influence and communicate effectively, how to submit your tax returns, what car insurance is. Uh, I think there's a wealth of content, but equally, you mentioned that we spread ourselves across a number of industries because we are so broad and diverse, um, which is great, but it also means that uh, it's very hard to identify our target demographic. I think we have an age demographic, um, which is those coming out of school, but other than that, different people have different interests and a customer that enjoys the stock market may not necessarily enjoy uh, content around car insurance. So that's where we're trying to cover all bases, but we also have to have a a clear strategy as to uh, what our different customer pillars are and what our content pillars are that align to those as well. Yeah, well, we've only just started to notice some of this um, through Mm. a couple of teething points. We had a conversation yesterday when we were talking about defining our strategy and potentially shifting i was going to say the word pivot but mm. that's a wank word as well that's a corporate um, world bro a corporate yeah. word pivot it's thrown around so much yeah um yeah so we were talking about that i don't know where i was going no that's all good um yeah it's, it's funny you say that the word pivot so i'm reading a book at the moment called good to great have you heard of it Nah, I think I've heard you yeah. mention it. Yeah. So it talks around, it's a pretty much like um, an empirical study on 12 companies uh, in different industries that had sustained success, so longer than I think it's 15 years, um, and beat the stock market by like phenomenal rates. They compare those 12 companies to 12 other companies in the same industry that are very comparable but just didn't perform as well over the sustained period of time. Um, And it's hard to summarize a book in in one sentence, but ultimately what's coming through is that the companies that had the sustained success knew what they could be the best in the world at. Now, this didn't come to them overnight, but they identified what they could be the best in the world at 
and then they were just relentless at uh, pursuing that. So they ultimately had a vision and they didn't restructure, they didn't sack people, they didn't pivot, um, they had a goal and that goal remained the same for an elongated period of time. Uh, technology solutions, stuff like that were enablers to the goal but the driver was that kind of one vision and, and alignment within the business. So I'm not to say that's always going to be the case. I, I think there there's a need um, for organisations or even us to, to shift the way we're thinking. But I think being very clear on how we can deliver value or what our value proposition is, is step one to ensuring that we deliver to that. That's um it always sounds counterintuitive saying like that mm. being the best in the world but pursuing that like persistently yeah when, when do you know I'm, I dare say that'd be a real fine line when you go alright we've we pursued this enough let's let's pull the pin on it or do we keep going are you at the top of the the mountain kind of thing yeah 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 it is interesting um the the other question I had for you was what around what gap we fill. So um, do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? I know we've kind of probably answered it. but Yeah, I feel like we, we've touched on it. It's that, well, like that one liner, right? It keeps coming to mind yeah. that bridging the gap between school and the real world. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, so that's kind of our idea. Uh, it was an idea for quite a while up until the point where we're like, all right, let's try to um, transition this into a business. Uh, like any classic business, the first thing that you do is, or classic business in these days and age, you we created an Instagram account pretty much um, and started producing content on the, the Instagram account. Um, and, and that was when I think we got the first indications that it was very useful uh, for our people. Um, and that we we were assisting um, the a certain demographic with information that they didn't know about and that they wish they had learned uh, prior to that. So from there, we um, we had a planning session. Uh, everyone come over to my house in God's country, Warrington, <laughs> and um, and yeah, just had a pretty much a strategy day so do you have any reflections or or thoughts on um what happened in that planning day case that you want to touch on um well, yeah. yeah like it was very well run i thought you you pulled it together quite well thanks i paid um, you to say that pyramid of um structure we had yeah i don't we didn't set our times weren't very good but that's because i feel like we just all yeah ideas and the ball was rolling and we just sort of kept going with what we thought and I felt quite successful um, considering like I hadn't met Renee or Couch mm. that was the first time actually uh, coming into contact yep. sounds like they're angry. Um, <laughs> first time meeting them um, a couple of beers helped to get the ball rolling um, yeah, yeah it, was, it was a good day yeah good day. It, it, it was um to kind of summarize what we went through, I'm looking at it now. Uh, we, we planned out a number of different elements and I think it started at around 12.31-ish. Couchy was late as per usual. 
Um, but we didn't stop planning or like brainstorming until like eight or nine that night. I'm pretty sure. Like, um, and and that indicated to me that we were all pretty passionate about it and and pretty excited. Um, but we yeah we kind of took a funnel approach where we looked at the real big picture um, of what tells could become. So those blue sky thoughts. Um, this is what it could become like this is where it's going to go this is where we're going to be in five years time and then we funneled down to the realities of how we get there so um the board yeah we had like half an hour of where we want to be and then a strategy of how we get there um and then some more specific elements around social media and content um our sales approach um milestones to hold us accountable and then the fun admin um of and and discussions which were which were interesting weren't they around who's going to put in what money um how much is this going to cost us who's responsible for what and stuff like that um that that's probably my one big learning it's just shit that you you don't really like talking about um it's quite confronting at times um ownership and stuff like that so um, yeah, do you, you want to elaborate on, I suppose, the the awkwardness of um, speaking around ownership or even us registering it as a company? Yeah, that was a, that was a different conversation, wasn't it? Yeah. But firstly, can I address that? You know, you ask me that question and then you go, oh, yeah, I've, I've got it up here on this screen, this whole planning day. <laughs> Nah, I didn't have it on a screen. I'm in my room and it's written down, man. I just wanted to get your thoughts on how it went. I wanted you to talk me up. Uh, yeah, I just remember that whole day up the top of my head. <laughs> you mentioned it enough, bro. <laughs> um, yeah, there were tricky conversations like partnership v company because then if you have a partnership, you got to talk about liability. So mm. one of us would have to have... Uh, unlimited liability and then that's an awkward question because it's like well who's gonna get you know shot in the foot basically and what's unlimited liability uh so my knowledge again it's very uh limited like limited liability the pun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so in the case of like uh suing the company yeah is well, the other partners are uh, susceptible to a certain level of um liability yeah. literally where one person has to own, own the cost of that, so potentially losing um, money out of their own pocket rather than the, the company yeah. or the partnerships. Yeah, so limited liability is if you, um, like, if the company or partnership was liquid, liquidated, you would lose everything associated with that business, but if you have unlimited liability, um, you could also lose assets that sit outside of that business, i.e. your house, property, shit like that. That's how I yeah. interpret it. Um, yeah, cool. Yeah, and uh, Sorry. Probably quick. About, um, you were talking about roles, like yeah. responsibilities. Yeah. So important to a business with you know, four people who mm. sort, of like, sort of know each other but don't at the same yeah. time on levels. Because um, it... Once you define those roles, responsibilities, it, you take the guessing out of who's supposed to be doing things. Mm. You know, we've, we've had these conversations before. It's like, all right, so if someone's uh, in charge of content, you know that they're the go-to person. Someone's in charge of your socials, you know that they're fully responsible and are going to be delivering um, 
results, right? Delivering social posts, stories, and owning that space. When, and then in the same regard, on the flip side, they can't uh, expect anyone else to be doing those sort of things. Yeah. Or in a way, you know, you can lean on people for sure, but the responsibility and accountability is on that social person as such. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, I think I just rattled you because... So you did the same thing to me before. Um, you're looking at your phone whilst I was speaking. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Is he listening to me? I was <laughs> listening to you then. I was trying to get something up for the podcast. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I knew you were going to say something because I was actually taking a photo because when you said yeah. Instagram, I had the story. Yeah. Have you seen it yet? No, I haven't seen it. But that that's a tip for everyone. Um, hot tip in the podcast. Make eye contact when you're communicating because, like, it just, um, like, whilst you're probably still engaged, people are just like, is this person reacting to me? I've had a lot in, like, corporate world where I'm presenting and I don't see anyone looking at me. I'm like, far out. Like, why why am I doing this? And then they come up to me after, like, oh, yeah, so informative. It's like, what was it? Because they weren't really watching. Yeah. Sometimes I look away, like, you've probably noticed, I look away. But it's because it's how I listen as well. Yeah, I'm the same. Like I'm fairly on the spectrum where if I'm listening and looking at someone, yeah, I'm analysing their facial expressions as well, mm. um, and body language and all those sort of things. Yeah. So listening and like seeing, it sort of gets almost like complicated. Cause yeah. You're listening and then you're seeing what they're doing, which I guess is what we do as humans. Yeah. No, it is an interesting one. I've gotten in trouble a number of times. Not in trouble, but people have questioned like whether I was listening for the exact same reason because I look out the window a lot and it's just how I process the conversation. Um, but people are like, you're so rude. Yeah. It's like you're taking out like a variable, right? So you've been able to completely digest yep. what someone's saying rather than <laughs> their body language. I yeah, think. yeah. But to your point about someone like not looking at you like many, I've literally had someone fall asleep. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it was like, there was three people in the audience as such. Yeah. Like a fairly, so it was a director and a couple of other directors. Mm. And this bloke literally fell asleep. He thought he was a bit of a a top dog. Um, And I was fairly low level, low rung. So in hindsight, I probably should have called him out on it. 100%. Um, Yeah. But yeah, at the time I was just like, "Eh, it's not worth the squeeze really. Yeah. Yeah, literally fell asleep, man. He's on the nod completely. Yeah. Far out. No shame, not even hiding it. It was just, yeah. That's bad, eh? Yeah. I've had a similar thing, but I think the guy was actually listening, so I got pretty worked up. I didn't call him out on it either, but um, apparently, like, he does it in every meeting. That's the way he processes information, so by closing his eyes. Okay. It wasn't on the nod, like, to, per yeah, se, yeah. but, Yeah different people I suppose but yeah I, I react a lot better when people are like intently watching me but that can be draining as well yeah um cool so we had our planning day um yeah and we had a, a we assigned responsibilities um and I think the message that I got out of that was that while someone is responsible for an aspect of the business they're not just the person that has to do all of that aspect. So, um, and this is, I've just brought up the message I sent to you all last night around some of the learnings so far. And I think this is um, one of the learnings that I've had that we've assigned responsibilities for an aspect, but then have just assumed that that person will be doing all of that um, work. And it's it's their responsibility to 
to highlight if they can't be. But um, I think we, we have to try to overlap um, each other's responsibilities a little bit more, especially in this startup phase, just so we're churning out as much as possible. Is that, is that how you've seen things so far? Yeah, yeah. Well, like, you, you wouldn't do these things in like solace in any company right? okay. like most of the time you yeah. and it's been like a small little startup small business mm. it's more important than ever to talk to each other yeah. because you know it's common sense you know, more one brain two brains is more okay. than one right and yeah. yeah um all right question so yeah, I'll yeah, ask the question now. Nah, <laughs> I haven't got anything. It's on my phone. Yeah, <laughs> nah, um, what's the hardest thing that you've found um, so far with tells? Um, yeah, trying to trying to find value in like my outputs. I feel mm-hmm. I try and I like to put a lot of my work in you know the the, the more important, less urgent category. Looking mm-hmm. how we can business and also how I can how, how I can show that value back yeah. to the team um, whether that be through connections or whatever um, it's still yeah it's still a constant struggle because it, my role doesn't really have like a mm. um, like te- some tangible products where yeah. like the social like couch running that you know day in day out we see his like effort right mm. where like, sometimes my efforts um, intangible and yeah. more in the background yeah. So that's a, not a struggle, but it's like a sticking point for me where I'm like, all right, how do I show my value to the team? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one um, because there's no real strict measurement that you, like when we wrote down our strategy, there was no real strict measurement as to um, how you'd be measured on your performance and we're not measuring performance per se as a team, but like yeah. your deliverables weren't really um, measurable or, or numerical, numerical mm-hmm. in um, how they looked. I think there was one on attaining a couple of partnerships, but it was also on like how can we just grow um, this business or yeah, be strategic thinking. So yeah, that that's interesting. Um, I, I've actually felt similar, and I I actually think. Um, a lot of us feel the same way. We, we want to continually offer value. So I was speaking to Renee yesterday, and um, I, Renee's done a great job in, in setting up the website to where it is. Um, but she like, she's been pumped with her full time job at the moment, and feels like she she can't really provide as much value as she'd like either. Um, and I equally at times have been like maybe I can be doing more, maybe I'm not focusing my time on the right stuff. So I think that's a good thing, us holding each other accountable. But yeah, it does um, maybe put us under unnecessary pressure at times as well. Yeah. Uh, You know what they say, pressure causes diamonds. 100% mate. Um, What's the other one? It's a a little bit different, but I love referencing it, the the Pareto principle. Oh yeah. It's kind. Of, it's a similar concept around pressure because what it says is, the shorter time you have for something, um, like you you work towards the time that you've got. So if you're given four days to deliver something, you'll take those full four days. If you're given one day to deliver something, you might be pissed off about it, but you'll inevitably deliver within the one day. Um, exactly. Sorry. Yeah. What am I talking? What's Pareto principle? Eighty twenty. 
Is it eighty twenty? Sorry. Parkinson's law. Thanks, mate. Uh, yeah, mate. Hold us accountable, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um I'm yeah so to answer the question I asked you around what's been my most difficult part, um is the question I continually ask myself is how are we going to monetize this business? Um, how is all of the effort that we're putting in right now um, going to l- lead to anything that will allow me to stop working um, full-time ultimately? And you, you probably know I've been very hard um, on, on the sales avenue. And it's funny because I listen to so many podcasts, I read so many books around entrepreneurs and they say that it's a two-year grind before something ever pops up. Um, No one ever sees the effort that you put in. They just only see the output, the overnight successes, all that stuff. But um, I approach this business the complete opposite where I'm like, nah, it just needs to grow. We need to start making money. Like, um, What's happening? Um, And and that's probably been my hardest bit, my biggest learning as well, which will we'll touch on in a second um but yeah i have learned a lot to kind of lay off the sale and um my man gary v said something today on a podcast that resonated and he just said um delivering value to your customer is your best business strategy um, so yeah to yeah, summarize i think that's where tells is going um right now that we're just focusing on value free value right now before we uh, build a foundation before we do anything else yeah well, it's we almost overcomplicate it right at the mm. end of the day deliver value exactly um yeah deliver value build a platform where you're delivering enough value to enough customers and the reward from that will transpire eventually mm. um so to that point do you, I'm keen to get your views on where you think things are at right now um, with Tells, um, some of our recent learnings. So we've just launched our first ebook. We've got around 20 sales. Um, we have just thrown out a few Facebook ads, uh, which have been interesting. But what are your biggest learnings? And Sorry, not biggest learnings. Where, where do you think we're at at the moment um, and where are we heading? Still, I, like you said, there's overnight successes and you only see the end product. Mm. I feel like we're, yeah, blessed to have as many sales as, as we've had. Yeah. Because how many businesses actually don't? Um, and that's on the back of everyone's hard work, whether it be um, the socials, that seems to be um, quite popular between yeah. our. Our fans, or I don't know, would you call them fans? Fans, <laughs> call them fans, yeah. yeah. They're fans, they're fans. They're fans of us. They're fans <laughs> of you. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just like you said, it's it's coming back down to earth. It's saying, all right, let's actually have this this social proof. Mm. That's also sort of a, a wank word, but, you know, people don't know what we can produce. Mm. Yeah. yeah. They see the socials uh, very face value, but... Our latest ebook, you know, you guys, you crushed it with the writing and the, um, the level of analysis in it. Uh, but people haven't witnessed that yet. Yeah. Those who haven't bought it, and uh, once we get people actually out there being our our proponents, you know, talking about us for us, that'll that'll be a big 
big tipping point, I feel. Yeah, no, um, I agree. Where we're at, yeah, I'm just biding my time until we you know, reach that tipping point. Yeah, um, completely agree. I think if I think of where we're at, I might compare where I thought we were at two weeks ago compared to where I think we're at right now. And this is just because my mindset has shifted a little bit. Where I thought we were at two weeks ago was that we've just launched our first ebook. Um, we're going to generate revenue from that ebook that's going to kickstart this business into a, a revenue generating model um, that's going to allow us to churn out more and more ebooks and is hopefully going to grow to something that. Um, yeah, is scalable and is going to um, allow us in the next six months to be quite successful as an organisation. Um, that that was my wishful thinking, I suppose. Where I'm at now is that, all right, let's take a step back. Um, to your point around proof points and reputation and brand, I really think the next three to six months and, and longer should be focused on building up the reputation of the essential life skills or, or tells um, to say pretty much get speaking to people in our target market and ensure that they're aware of what we provide. Um, and this can be done purely via free content. Um, it, it means probably a bit of effort on our behalf, but that's why we've hopped into a business um, it's going to require us to, to churn out a number of articles across a number of topics and, and to build our awareness. Uh, but I'm resigned isn't the right word. I acknowledge the fact that in the next 6 to 12 months, um, revenue is probably something that, that we won't see at all. Um, unless, like, or not at the rate that... I was anticipating or, or wishfully thinking um, we would attain yeah. it. So, uh, yeah, I touched on it before. I think just providing value, and you spoke around it as well, to the customer will transpire into revenue, but down the track. Um, the, the other thing that where I think we're at as well is kind of defining what we are as a business. So initially if we talk around the sales funnel or where we were going to generate revenue our thoughts were that ebooks or um, maybe a subscription service or a, a course an online course would be the way to go and, and i still think that that's a viable option once we we build up um, our repository but the other vision we've spoken about is being a platform or a connector between experts and um, and those that are keen to learn around specific skills. So um, bringing mentors onto our platform, so giving um, students access to mentors that have been there, done that, have earned their million dollars, have started up successful companies, stuff like that. Um, and, and just being that brand between the two um, customer types or the two types of people that can liaise and, and bring people together to your point about you know the mentor thing we mm. think as people we we put that word mentor on a pedestal yeah we look at people with mentors yeah like you said fair enough have earned their first million etc but why can't they be the person who knows to change a tire 
why can't they be that you know that expert coffee maker? Agree. If someone has a need, we can connect you, right? It doesn't have to be this high-level thinker. It's just about connecting people. Hundred percent. Yeah. When I um, think mentor in terms of our business, it's someone wants to learn a skill. Well, exactly to your point, we will provide a contact, a resource, or a business that can teach you how to do that. Uh, we'll also have material on our website that can can aid you with that. But if you want more information, um, here are the people. Um, and I'd probably, I don't know the legalities around it, but I'd steer away from referencing companies. I, I think linking individuals to individuals gives that... Um, yeah that personal connection to it and um yeah i'm not really here to benefit the corporate world that i'm trying to get out of as well (laughs) yeah and to further that we can also enable people to teach people certain skills yeah and then they can make money off on the back of potentially yeah no agree agree that that's the other um massive learning that i've had since we started this so i now know how to set up a podcast (laughs) touch wood um i now know how to edit videos i now know the digital marketing ins and outs of facebook marketing um i'm trying to teach myself google ads um, which cases also across um content like we're pretty handy with canva now and, and how to produce content and there's a number of other tools that just when you're siloed into one specific role in in a large organization you don't get um that information or that accessibility to different skill sets yeah. so i've been loving that as well when i worked um for that smaller advertising firm yeah that was one of the big things because um, <laughs> uh, that was one of the big things because we were so small you yeah. had to be the market of everything yeah you had to know how to buy tv you had to know how to buy radio you had to know how to buy digital uh, outdoor, whatever, right? When you go to a bigger agency, they're so big, you can be one person and working on a specific yeah. media platform. So they'll have a TV buyer mm. and that's all they'll ever know. And you'll come to us, yeah. my old agency, and have no idea how to do anything else other than buy TV. Yeah. So it's almost like, you know, master of, what's that? Oh, well, we were jack of all trades, master of none. They were master of one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's... um and. I think, I don't know if you saw it where you worked as well or compared it to larger organizations, but their ability to be agile um, was just lacking where I've worked previously and it just annoyed me so much. Like I was working 14-hour days because the first eight hours were filled with stupid meetings. Um, yeah. I don't have time for that shit. Um, and like... A prime example, I'd sit in a meeting, it was scheduled for an hour, it'd finish in 30 minutes, so they'd just take the other 30 minutes to fucking speak around their day. Like, I don't have time, mate. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that annoyed me as well. So, yeah, you look at the analogy of like a, a boat, right? The bigger mm. the boat, with like a huge container ship. Yep. How hard is that to turn? I mean, you look at like a small speedboat, super nimble, right? Yeah. pivot. Yeah, exactly right, and and that's what we are, and that's what I um, want us to remain. So if this ever uh, or when it it grows into something that um, is quite large and formidable, I, I just and I think a lot of people say this, but I just want to ensure that there is 
um, an element of rigidity that you need uh, in processes to ensure that there's governance, but equally allowing free thinking, um, free decision making, autonomy, uh, and empowerment where possible. Um, another question for you, only because I've written down my answer, and I don't know if you'll be able to answer this one because I've asked you before, but with tells, uh, what do you think we can be the best in the world at? Yeah, good one. Put me on the spot again. <laughs> I'll give you the same answer. <laughs> you asked me whatever two weeks ago. Um, I don't think we know what we're the best in the world at mm. yet. Um, and I think that's all part of the journey. Um, that sounds a bit you know, fluffy, yeah. and I'm not really giving you an answer. Um, yeah, but I don't. I don't think we know what we're going to be the best in the world mm. at. I have ideas of what I'd like to be the best in the world at. Yeah. You know, I'd like to be the best in the world at lifting weights and stuff. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, but whether we can be the the people giving giving tools to you know the people less advantaged, you know, like coming from Western Sydney, like yourself, Ben, um, we're not we're not disadvantaged, but we get that that uh, stigma attached to us mm. from, you know, where we went to uni, etc. But being, being able to give, you know, the less advantaged people the tools to, to come up, yep. I think that'd be something quite aspirational. Yeah, I, I love that answer. And I, I think like, when I look back at what happened with me after school, um, so full credit to mum, but we kind of grew up... Um, in a lower socioeconomic area. I never struggled for anything, but I was always very determined to make money. Um, I worked my absolute ass off, but I was never taught those skills around financial intelligence especially, but equally a a lot of life skills um, around how to portray yourself in a a working environment, um, where to invest your money once you earn it. car car maintenance is a massive one like you asked me to this day like oh do your tires need to be changed i've got no idea um (laughs) there's little stuff like that um so i I would have loved that that guiding hand whether it's a piece of content or a person that that can um, give me advice throughout that process and if i had that at the age of 18 20 i probably would be a lot more well off than i am now um but that's why I'm so passionate about it right now. Um, and I, I think to, to um, add on to that, the one I've written on around how we can be the best in the world or what we can be the best in the world at, and I know we don't know this yet, but I, I lo- love this future thinking. Um, the one I've written is that we can be the best company that translates complex concepts into relatable information. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't think that's rocket science. I just don't think anyone's. Um, I'm sure there's people that have done it, but no one's really focused on all of these different lingos, terms, etc. That we use in the world and translating those into concepts that people can read or or understand. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. It's similar to like what I said. Really, yeah. like fundamentally, you know, giving the less advantage, the worst off, you know, the skills yeah. and the knowledge to make things layman's terms yeah no agree um alright we're probably nearing the end or end-ish do you have any questions for me mate uh, 
Yeah, I'd like to put you on the spot somehow. <laughs> Never, <laughs> mate. I can talk underwater, you know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, so what's the big difference between white collar and starting your own business? What's some of the challenges you've, you've come across? We sort of touched on it, but mm. I want to know the differences between the white collar and the startup for you. Yeah, um, it's a really good question. I've been thinking about this quite a lot. Um, I haven't felt as productive in a startup, but I've probably worked harder. Um, yeah. And the reason I say that is because in a startup, like you're teaching yourself a lot of stuff. And so teaching takes time, whereas when you're in a white-collar environment, especially when you're competent at what you do, um, you do a fuckload um you're not really teaching yourself anything, but you're getting a lot done because you're quite productive with, with what you do. So that's been the biggest change. Like I'm probably working longer hours um, in the startup, but it's not as efficient. And, and that will come over time, but it's a lot of stuff setting it up. Um, the the second part, and this is a positive, is like I've just been fucking loving not having to answer to anyone there's a lot of responsibility on on our own shoulders because if it fails it's on us but like i just love that freedom of i can do what i want every day i can plan out my day there's no dickhead annoying me in a, in a meeting room um or whatever it is <laughs> i'm gonna get in trouble for saying that but <laughs> um like, like yeah i truly have time to focus and it's on me to have a have a good day or a bad day and have a productive day or, or go lay in bed. So yeah. to that point though, it's like, you know how you said white collar, you were you're constantly productive. Mm. I'll give you the question. Is that almost like a fat the fallacy of productivity? Because you're so busy doing shitty little tasks that we're just you know, whether it be meetings and purely just keeping busy. Yeah. Is that like a fallacy? Because you know, you think you're being productive but when you're in the startup world, mm. are you actually doing smaller but more important tasks that are less urgent? Yeah. I, I think there's a law of diminishing returns. So um, in in the startup phase, you can look at five things that you do on a daily basis that are going to have a really large impact and going to move that needle. So like, for example, recording our first podcast, that's a massive milestone, right? Um, and so like setting up the technology, doing all of that, uh, it's a more time-consuming task, but it adds a lot more value. In a white-collar environment, one of my tasks might have been to finish a report, which is a report that occurs every month and is just a report, a bureaucratic report that's been created for the sake of sake of it so i was productive at getting shit that was required to be done but the stuff that was required to be done wasn't actually valuable in my opinion so yeah does that answer your question yeah yeah Yeah. any others mate um yeah so i was thinking as we've been discussing um about the value of a startup yeah not not revenue wise but uh more in terms of skill sets. So mm. like you just touched on, you know, the setting up a podcast, teaching yourself how to be a digital marketer, teaching yourself Google AdWords. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to do those sort of things in your white collar space. Mm. So I was thinking, you know, a lot of people love the idea of an MBA. And what do they cost? You know, to 40 grand potentially. More, yeah. So, yeah, potentially more, right? So I got accepted into one to UNSW. Mm. Put it 
like this year. So I've deferred it purely on the back of, I think there's probably more value in that managerial concept, that, that yeah. business space by starting my own thing. I'd probably get a lot more value and learn a lot more and potentially yeah. get a return rather than spending, you know, X amount. What are your thoughts around that? Yeah, I I completely agree. And I just, I threw up a couple of tweets um, earlier today on onto our socials around this. So th- there's two things. Um, I think universities are extremely overvalued right now, um, especially for concepts that are timely. So marketing is always changing. Uh, yeah. Universities still advertise, uh, or sorry, not advertise, they teach print media, TV um, advertising, stuff like that, which has a place, but realistically, if you're starting something up, and even if you're coming into an organization, they're heading down the digital marketing track a lot more right now. So what you're getting taught in uni isn't uh, particularly practical, in my opinion, for certain degrees. Um, the the second annoyance that I have with uh, an MBA or uh, even a bachelor's degree is the opportunity cost that you lose out on. That's what you're just touching on. So for the decision that you made um, going to uni, there's an opportunity cost that you've lost out on. And um, not only do you lose out time because you're studying the MBA, but you also lose out on 40 to 50 grand that you could have potentially invested elsewhere. And I understand that that's a loan um, that can be paid off over time. But I often wonder if I had 20 grand again, uh, well, I'm very confident I wouldn't have jumped into uni. I would have used that 20 grand to, to fuck around with my own startup and see what I could have learned from it. Yeah. Um, I think there's a place for university, doctors, teachers, stuff where you need the degree. Um, business, it's a broad thing, man, and it's very hard to teach theoretically. Yeah, yeah. Because every business has their own way of doing things. As 100%, well, right? yeah. Like, my uni degree didn't prepare me at all nah. to jump into the closing world. It's probably because we fucked around so much at uni. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's... That's in hindsight, yeah, probably. That's the other thing I wrote about, though. I feel like uni sold to everyone as this um, networking opportunity. The fact that uni's gone majority online now uh, through COVID, unfortunate circumstance, but also like with a lot of the online unis, and I know myself, I did not network once through uni except for you. Um, And that was maybe, like, I'm a pretty, hey, the most important one. Yeah, exactly. I'm a pretty confident bloke, but I just, I don't know, I maybe judge people at uni, but they just didn't align to how I operated. Um, so I was like, nah, I'll stick to myself. So um, yeah, there was no value there. I probably would have got more networks through a business environment. Yeah. Cool, mate. Nah, uh, productive. Number one. Yeah. No, 100%. First podcast. Um out of the way, and the only reason I say that is I, I just wanted to kick this one off. I f- feel like we yeah. wanted it to be real polished and like it, it's not going to get there, so we'll just spit it out, listen to it, yeah. refine it next time. Get the monkey off the back. Yeah, exactly. Um, next one we'll end up having someone in the corner be like, hey, look that up for us. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> we'll get, get an assistant like Joe Rogan, yeah. man. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, so just to explain to everyone, I suppose, where we see this podcast heading as well, 
the, the next one that we're going to do is actually on our ebook, our stocks ebook, and we're just going to go through a couple of concepts in the stocks ebook and, and break them down a little bit, um, try to explain them more. Um, and then I'm trying, I'm going to try to do a weekly one for everyone that's available, either virtually or face to face, around um, hot topics at the moment. So. COVID and the economy is one right now. Um, mortgage repayments is a similar one. Uh, fucking Gladys and uh, Victoria, shit like that. So I, I don't claim to be an expert, but I think everyone's got a view on that and I think we can still add some value uh, around articulating some concepts that um, the young pups that we're trying to educate may not be too savvy about. Cool. Um, any other questions, mate, or comments before we stop the recording? Yeah. What about um, just some? I feel like this is very, very uh, prevalent at the moment. So webcam etiquette. Do you ever like pin yourself in the corner to see how much of a muppet you look like? Right. Um, I've always got myself pinned because I just like looking at myself. Um, <laughs> and ah, oh, geez, I've just realised. So I could have pinned myself the whole time, but then it would have only been my face that comes out. That's cool. Um, yeah, that's me, mate. Judging by how I look in this one now. Nah, so what I've done as well, I've cropped your like, video, but I've cropped it um, heavily to the right. So you're sitting like really left in the picture. Okay. Uh, so. Now? Yeah, like you're pretty much out of the picture now. No, so you're the other <laughs> way. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a bit of a dodge video. That's cool. That's right. It's all paving, mate. All part of the process. Exactly. Cool. All right. Well, I'll um, I'll stop the recording now. And thanks, mate. Uh, before I let you go, I really appreciate your time. It's been fun. I'm yeah. sure we'll hear from, from your good-looking head a little bit later as well. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All good.